Yeah, before we get to the exciting days racing, um, can we talk a little bit about, you know, and this has been obviously a recurring theme in our conversation, just uh, talking about the the waxing today, at least for the men's race, it looked as if most of that was in the shade, a little bit of sunshine coming back through the stadium. But yeah, so stability of waxing, weather, snow conditions, and how did that play out for you folks, maybe in both the men's race and the women's race? Yeah, I think overall we were really happy with the skis. Uh, this is an unusual day in Val de Fiamme, uh, particularly during the Tour de Ski. We haven't seen snow this good since 2013 when we were here for World Championships. And uh, it was cold yesterday, and the tracks held up all day with uh, full course access for staff and athletes, and the tracks just uh, barely took a beating. And where a normal day here, the tracks get very mealy. And so we were feeling pretty good about today. And it was, in fact, the best classic skiing of the season. And so we're on a mix of, you know, clister and hard wax binders and just hard, good, just really nice hard wax skiing. The snow's a little abrasive. It was a little cold because the sun leaves this place uh, around 1.30, very tight valley. And uh, pretty stable conditions today, which is uh, refreshing for Val yeah, and I'm just curious, like as you know, the the women's race was a little later in the day. Um, still, mostly shade on those climbs for them. Yeah, the women's race was 100 percent in the shade. The men's race, the stadium was in the sun for the first uh, half a lap, and then the, then they were fully shaded as well, I believe. You, you know, just for people who are you know maybe new to the sport or new to sort of thinking about waxing at at the World Cup level, what is that day? And you don't need to go through the blow by blow, but like, how early is the wax staff out there on race day testing and getting prepared for skiers who who might you know have you know, maybe five pairs of skis to test out with different wax combos. Yeah. Well, so on a, on any given day, we tend to arrive about four to five hours before the start. Uh, even if the race is later in the day, the, there's a, there's a balance of, uh, working hard and working smart. And so much of the work happens the day before, particularly when the conditions are stable. So yesterday, was really integral in uh, our binders being tested and just sort of sub-layer kick waxing. And so we felt like going into today, we were about 65% there, and we just needed to uh, run a little bit more durability and some final kick waxes on the race course right around, you know, just before the athletes got here. Um, so it's not an incredibly early day. I think the athlete, the text left the hotel around 8.30. So uh, we're getting enough sleep. And So, yeah, let's talk about the, the, the men's race, which was, you know, very exciting. And, you know, it's six, lo- six times around a 2.5K course that, you know, most people would say is like a real deal. It is a championship course, lots of climbing, um, three distinct sections of climbing. And... And as you're obviously well aware, as the the race transpired, um, you know, Gus Schumacher moved his way up very patiently up into literally like podium contention at 13.9K. He was in fifth place, uh, you know, four point something seconds behind um, DeFabiani in first and Bolshinov and Colonia, you know, a Swiss, a legend uh, on his tails. Um 
So yeah, talk about that race. And I'm sure as a coach too, you have to be patient, but you know, you must've been getting pretty stoked. It was a really fun race to watch. And what was, I think, particularly rewarding is that uh, Gus, the way the seeding works out, Gus uh, didn't have a very favorable start position. And so it took him a couple of laps to work his way into a place where he felt like he could ski his own pace uh, or, or be with the leaders if they attacked. Uh, had the pace gone fast in the first lap or two, uh, he would have been in some trouble because he was he was way back. But to his credit, Gus didn't stress. He didn't waste any unnecessary energy um, and just kind of gradually worked his way up into the middle of the pack. So when things did pick up for um, things like bonus sprints, uh, he, he was ready. He was able to go. But I'm just kind of curious, you know, your internal dialogue the past like couple of weeks and then coming in, you know, through this tour about, you know, a young man actually seeing their, their prospects manifest with some really powerful performances. Yeah. It's, it's rewarding to see Gus's patience pay off because he's, he had some hard days in period one. Uh, he holds himself to a really high standard and uh, he also has some peers that he has competed with at world juniors, uh, for many years in U18 trip, uh, guys like Will Paroma and David Graz. Uh, and, you know, when those guys are 30 seconds, 45 seconds up on you and in Ruka and then again in Davos, and, uh, uh, you know, you can't help but wonder if I did something wrong or uh, what happened with the training. But uh, fortunately, Gus did not get derailed. Um, I, I can't say every day was rock solid, but. Uh, he had patience with himself and his coach back home, Jan Buran, uh, you know, talked him through a lot of this stuff. And we tried to be, uh, you know, positive reinforcements with him and just impress upon him that there's zero pressure to uh, cement your career this year. And uh, just really nice to see his fitness come into form, uh, you know, in the middle of the tour to ski. It really couldn't be happening at a better time. So these last three stages have been uh, basically perfect for a 20 year old. Okay. So no podiums for Americans today. We have Jesse Dickens back in ninth, 24 seconds off the pet face and a tough day for, um, I'm, I'm looking through here, a tough day for Rosie Brennan, who, who fell back to 31st on the day, two minutes out on the stage. Um, so let's talk first about that. Jesse retains the overall, tour lead and off the top of my head and I can pull it up here I believe um, yeah Rosie fell back to seventh overall at at over two minutes out so yeah from from those two skiers perspective um, yeah what were you seeing out there today specifically yeah you know in many ways today was a, a perfect day for Jesse uh, she she lost a handful of seconds uh, in the actual time of day finish but she gained a handful of seconds uh, by uh, placing second in the bonus sprint at uh, lap three. And, and so this is just a, a perfect day for Jesse. Not every day is about being a hero out there. It's the first in six stages that she hasn't been on the podium, but uh, the job that was accomplished today is that she protected her lead and is still leading the tour to ski going into stage seven of eight by almost a minute. So uh, we're feeling great about things with Jesse and uh, – very happy all around. And so let's talk a little bit about Rosie's day. She obviously had a very, you know, a tough, 
um, 10k race today. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, my heart, my heart hurts for Rosie. Uh, she did her best and the body just came up uh, flat today. And that is uh, such a typical, uh, late in the tour, uh, tour to ski race. Uh, you just don't hear about it very often because, um, you know, the media is only focused on people who are in the top three. Uh, but it's happening every day. You see people pulling out of the tour, uh, flat, just completely bonked, um, sick, whatever. Uh, and today Rosie was, was flat. She was tired. Uh, she had a little bit of, uh, what would have normally been kind of a benign crash, but, uh, ended up, uh, (laughs) causing more of a fight that she needed than she, uh, needed to put forth. And, uh, so she spent a little while trying to catch up and, she just didn't have the gas today. Yeah, just curious because that I was asking that question and I missed it. There was it, there was a crash then, and and how early was that in the race? It was early in the race, um, and it just caused kind of a separation between uh, the main pack and Rosie. I didn't actually see it; none of us did. I think it was on an uphill and just cost a handful of seconds, but. In closing here, I, I am kind of curious. There was a scare over the last 24 hours that Linz Fawn and a couple of Finns had tested. You know, and the antigen je- test came back positive. The PCR test, which is more specific um, or sensitive, came back, you know, negative for those athletes. So I'm just curious, um, what was any, any sort of rumblings through the team it's like okay let's be hyper vigilant uh it, it was a reasonably stressful last 24 hours uh certainly not as stressful for us as it was for sweden and finland um you know if you have several hundred people tested and there's a 100 one uh, percent um you know false positive rate or whatever it is you got to imagine there are going to be a, a very small handful of people that that are going to be in the in the stress boat and and that happened and we were pretty sure that Sweden was going to be backed up as a negative. It's a little weird when it's two people from one team that drew a little concern. And then with a mass start, you have some athletes that are a little stressed about skiing with people that are potentially COVID positive. But we heard uh, at about 1030 last night that everybody had been confirmed negative. We passed that on to our team. And, uh, you know, I would say it was a small hiccup for the tour to ski, probably a large hiccup for Sweden and Finland. But, Glad to see everybody's healthy. Okay. Um, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. I think that's it. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for thanks for getting behind us. We're we're fired up. Really psyched going into stage 19. What's next? 21. Seven. Yeah, stage yes. seven. 